Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and this is podcast number 173. And this is also about the sixth time I'm trying to record this intro because I keep screwing everything up. So hopefully this is the one that sticks. So in today's podcast, I interview Dr. Kevin Prue. He is the president and director of Prue Physical Therapy and Sports Performance located in Cary, North Carolina. It is a cash PT practice. He opened it shortly after graduating from Duke University's DPT program in 2014. Aside from physical therapy, he offers sports performance training, massage therapy, injury prevention programs, biomechanical assessments, and soon they will be introducing Pilates training and Pilates-based PT. So I say this in the beginning of the episode, and I'm saying it now. I'm not a huge fan of new grads opening up their own business, cash PT or otherwise. Um, cash PT, you're usually by yourself. Um, I just... I feel like you need a little bit of time, and I can't say how much time that is. It's how much time you feel comfortable that you can kind of go out on your own and be confident with every single patient that walks into your door, and that is really hard, and it just takes time. So in this episode, we talk about that. We talk about my sort of trepidation towards new grads opening up a cash PT business. We talk about Kevin's ups and downs since he started. He gives some great advice if you think you want to start a cash PT practice and why you should be starting it. So it was a really great episode. I mean, maybe I've made some baby steps into thinking it's okay for a new grad to open a cash-based business or, or any solo business um, right out of the gate, uh, PT practice right out of the gate. But, you know, we'll see. I think as new grads come out, they're a little bit more business savvy, um, which is good. But I still think you need a little bit of, of time. And, and like I said, I don't know how much time that is. It's whatever time you feel is appropriate for you where you're super confident. And, you know, Kevin even says one of his biggest, one of his biggest pieces of advice um, for any new grad or anyone thinking of owning their own practice. He says that. I'm not going to say what it is because I want you to listen to the podcast and then you'll find out what it is. But Kevin's great. I think he's, what he's doing, he's doing it the right way. And of course, best wishes to him. And like I said, maybe I've made some baby steps in uh, thinking it's okay for a new grad to open up a cash PT business. And I don't know, call me crazy, email me. If you don't agree, email me. Uh, go to healthy podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Go to the contact page, put cash PT in the title and email me and tell me what you think. Or you can find me on Twitter at, at Karen Litzy NYC and let me know. I'm more than happy to talk more about it. Um, now, how you want to find out more about Kevin and his practice, go to www.prue. That's P-R-U-E-P-T dot com. And he is also on Twitter, which is where I found him and where we found each other. And his Twitter handle is at PrewPT. That's the clinic. And at Dr. Kevin Prue. That's his personal. It's a lot of tweeting. Um, anyway, so it's a great episode. I'd love to hear what you think, especially for all the DPT students. I'm really curious to see where your heads are on this. So email me, tweet me, let me know. Now, the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Community Board. So one um, website that Ke Dr. Kevin Pru uh, sent over my way, which I think is great for all of you uh, students and new grads, 
It is www.newgradphysicaltherapy.com. And there's some really great articles on there for new grads on transitioning into a PT career. So if you are a student, if you are a new grad, hell, even if you're a more seasoned PT, go on there and check it out because there are always things you can learn and there are always things that you missed and stuff that you wish you knew. So now you can get to know it. So again, that's www.newgradphysicaltherapy.com. And the other thing I want to talk about that's on the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Community Board, and I would be remiss since today we're talking about a cash PT practice if I didn't mention Paul Potter's book, his new book, which is Ignite Your Passion with a Cash Physical Therapy Practice. It's called On Fire. And Paul was on here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, let's see, his podcast is number 169. So if you want to go and listen to his podcast, you want to get more Cash PT stuff, go to podcast number 169. And you can get the book at paulpotterpt.com slash onfirebook. Um, it's a great book. I read it. It's it's more than just do A, B, C, and D, and you'll have a successful cash-based practice because really that doesn't exist. He gives you a general roadmap But what he does is really takes you through the psychology behind owning your own practice and owning a cash PT practice or transitioning from an insurance-based practice to a cash practice. And it's a great book. I really enjoyed it. He's beyond lovely. So buy the book. Again, that's paulpotterpt.com slash onfirebook. Or... You can go and you can listen to podcast number 169 right here on Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. And speaking of podcasts, next week we're sort of rolling with this cash PT theme, and I am interviewing Dr. Jared Carter about his new book, which is about cash-based practices and Medicare. So really great. I read that book also. It's a great book. There's a lot of resources there. There's a lot of links. The links are key. Um... Because you don't want to have to, you know, waste a Sunday trying to navigate through all of this Medicare work. So luckily, Dr. Jared Carter has done it for you. So he is going to be on, his podcast will debut next Monday, and I am going to be on his podcast next week. So we're doing sort of a big crossover podcast event, if you will. So he's going to be on mine. I was on him. We had a lot of fun. Um, We sort of did the interviews back to back, and it was really fun. Um, And also, if you didn't listen to last week's episode with Kyle Eigen, if you're looking to get, and this is a big buzzword now, the patient experience, right? Everybody wants to know more about the patient experience and how we can enhance that experience. Listen to the podcast podcast from last week. That's podcast 172 with Kyle Eigen. Kyle is a remarkable young man. He became a paraplegic at the age of 14 during a football game. And he is now, I think, 22 or 23, maybe. He just graduated from college. Um, But he has such a great outlook on life. This obviously was not the life he thought he was going to have. But in some ways, maybe 
I don't know. He's, he's become such an inspiration for so many people. So if you want to listen to his experience with physical therapy and how he navigates the world and maybe what we as rehab professionals and as health professionals should think about when we're treating the patients. It goes back to what uh, Eric Kruger spoke about in a podcast many podcasts ago about really honing in on your patient values. So it's a great podcast. So if you didn't uh, listen to that, go back, listen to it. It's really great. And of course, if you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends and family. Give me a rating on iTunes. And next week, I have a big announcement coming next week. So I'll be announcing it before, it'll be in the intro before Jared's podcast. So if you are a DPT student, be sure to tune in next week because I have a big announcement for DPT students that relates to the combined sections meeting. So please enjoy this podcast. Uh, Kevin is great, Dr. Kevin Prue. Thank you so much. I want to thank him for coming on and uh, for opening my eyes a little bit. So enjoy the podcast. Hey, everyone. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I am sitting here today with Kevin Prue. He is the owner of Prue Physical Therapy and Sports Performance in Cary, North Carolina. So, Kevin, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this for a while. Okay. Well, for those of you who are on social media or who are on the Cash PT LinkedIn and I think Facebook, I think that's what they're called, Cash PT. Yeah, yeah. Facebook page? Is that what it's called? Cash PT Facebook page? I believe that's what it Something is. Something yeah. like that. Um, you may know Kevin. So Kevin is a new grad. So what? You graduated um, in this year? Uh, 2014. 2014. So you're not a new, new grad. New, new-ish. <clears throat> new-ish grad. So what you did is you opened up a practice right out of school. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, more or less. I got married right after I graduated and then took a couple of months to finish the planning and setting up the clinic. But we started at the end of October and really started seeing patients probably in January. Okay. And so I have to say, and I told this to Kevin before we started, so I'm going to preface this conversation. Um, I have I am not a huge fan of new grads starting their own uh business, their own, even a, I know you have a cash based business and we're, we're going to talk all about this. So I told Kevin beforehand, I'm like, I'm not a huge fan. There are certainly exceptions to every rule and that's not a blanket across all of the PT world. But I just feel like you should have a couple of years of mentoring or even, I shouldn't even say that you should have some time mentoring. I think it doesn't matter how much time, as long as you make it a good use of your time. And Kevin said, well, after the interview, hopefully I'll be able to sway you a little bit on my views. So, Kevin, let's talk about this. So you're a new grad, and you started a cash pay PT business. Why? So the reason for starting my own practice was kind of so I could treat patients the way I felt was best, um, kind of meet my needs as a clinician, and then kind of the same story that a lot of cash PT owners mention is, you know, you're seeing 25, 30 people a day. You don't feel like you're giving the care that they deserve. And it kind of just wears on you as a clinician itself. And so running into some of those experiences 
even before PT school as a patient and then through some shadowing. And I, I worked as a strength and conditioning coach at a clinic for a while and kind of seeing what those therapists were going through. You could just kind of tell that it wasn't what they wanted to get out of their career. And so you graduate. Where did you go to school? I went to Duke. Oh, you went to Duke. Oh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's nice. They have a good. They have a really good program. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, did you have any reservations in starting your own practice right out of school? What sort of of um, information did you get from other PTs or from mentors, maybe your professors or things like that? What kind of advice did you get? Um, you know, some, some were really excited for it and, you know, told me, go ahead and jump in it. And others had some of the similar reservations that probably the majority of clinicians have about new grads starting a practice. Um, in, in reality, my plan of starting a practice started before I even applied to PT school. I kind of knew that that's where I wanted to end up. Uh, I didn't even know about like the cash pay realm until I was almost ready to graduate. So I figured I would open my own kind of insurance-based practice and have this sports performance twist to it. And so that that's planning process probably started a year or two before I even applied to PT schools. Um, as far as some of the clinicians and mentors I have, I have a great mentor who's actually the or was the head of the North Carolina Physical Therapy Association. Mm -hmm. And he was also one of my clinical instructors. So I've been kind of in contact with him throughout the entire process, and he's been probably my biggest supporter. And then just having some of my professors available for questions, tough cases, things that I haven't quite encountered yet on my own, they've been great resources as well. Okay, so at least it sounds like you are taking advantage of the physical therapists in your area and that you're not just sort of going out on your own and and hoping for the best. Right. That's 100% true. I mean, if I didn't have people that I could rely on, there's no way I could have done this on my own. And then having someone like Aaron LeBauer or Jared Carter, as far as the cash PT resources go and helping me get that part established, there's no way I would be able to do this mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And what were your biggest reservations even before you started the practice so we'll get into challenges that maybe you have had since opening but did you have any reservations because I know I would if I were a new grad I just would certainly have some reservations on opening my own practice um from the business standpoint I actually felt really comfortable with it I've been around people that have had their own businesses whether it's care system or other kind of professions I mean realistically my biggest concern was would I be able to handle things in the clinic the way I needed to. Mm -hmm. I think that those reservations, I mean, they're even still there. I mean, there's no way I know everything about every case that walks through the door. And, of course. Um, but I think my clinical experiences really kind of helped me wash those reservations away. I was fortunate enough to have one rotation where they basically kind of threw me to the wolves and they said, you want to have your own practice? Well, act like you're your own clinician and if you really run into trouble, we'll step in, but we're going to pretend you're an employee here. Mm-hmm. And so that, that six-month experience really helped me kind of prepare for this. And even so even during that time as a, at a clinical, I mean, you were still getting, obviously, feedback and things like that from clinical instructors. Right. Right. And so 
what have been, what do you feel like have been your biggest challenges since you've opened? So you've been open now for almost a year, right? A little less, a little less, yeah, a little shy a little of a less. year. Okay, so what, what have been your biggest challenges? And then we'll talk about what you did to sort of push through them, because it would probably be good advice for other people who are just starting. Sure. Um, I mean, first off, the biggest challenge was just making people aware that I even existed as far as like the marketing standpoint goes. Mm -hmm. um, and then the whole cash pay, how's the insurance work is another kind of mindset shift that we're trying to get to some of our patients. Um, from a clinical standpoint, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, I haven't seen a lot of post-operative patients mainly because I haven't developed those relationships with surgeons yet. Okay. Um, and so I've been comfortable seeing a lot of the patients that I'm comfortable with. So I see a lot of shoulders. I see a lot of runners, ankles, knees, that sort of thing, things that I've had a lot of exposure to in the past. So I felt comfortable with that. Um, but the marketing standpoint, and even still now, my patient volume fluctuates a lot on a weekly basis. Okay. So what is it from a marketing standpoint that you feel like you're struggling with the most? Um, you know... I think that there's a lot of really strong clinics in the area and clinics that have been established for a really long time. And they have great relationships with a lot of the places that you typically think of asking for referrals to or trying to develop relationships with as far as the physical therapist goes. So trying to find some of those unique avenues and pathways to start getting some people through the door so word of mouth can spread, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And so what do you... how? In what ways do you feel that your clinic stands out so that you don't have to necessarily compete with other clinics in your area, but that you're really differentiating yourself through a unique, um, a unique aspect of what you do? Sure. Um, so I do, I'm a big manual therapist. I concentrate a lot of my treatments on that. For the majority of time, a patient's in the clinic, we're going to work hands-on the entire time which is very different from a lot of places. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we get these long time blocks, 60, 90 minutes at a time for certain patients, which is nice. So they only, they're only here once a week or once every other week, whereas mm -hmm. other places they're there three times a week. So that, that definitely helps. Um, as far as some other things, you know, being responsive to emails, if someone emails me, I can get back to them really quick for a question or get them in for an appointment really quickly, which is a nice comforting thing for a lot of my patients to know, hey, if I have something that's unrelated to what you're seeing me for, can we still talk about that? And so that helps as well. So a big customer service standpoint. Okay. Um, the other thing that we do a lot of is we work a lot with youth athletes. Mm -hmm. And so from an injury prevention standpoint, I think that that's a service that a lot of places offer don't necessarily have to spend the time or understand the sport quite as well as, as we do here, which is big from the parents. They, they know that they can bring their kid here. They're going to get a, a good program. They're hopefully going to stop some injuries from occurring, work on some performance, and then have a resource for them for other questions as well. So what would you say, or who would you say, let's just keep, keep with the marketing stuff since that seems to be like the biggest challenge because you want to have consistency coming through your door, right? Absolutely. Versus big fluctuations. So, so let's stick with this a little bit more. Um, 
<clears throat> who would you say if you were to pick out your ideal patient? So, and, and it's, you know, we'll just kind of go through an example of maybe what one ideal patient would be, because it's perfectly normal in the PT world to have a couple of ideal patients. So right. who would you say, how would you describe your ideal client? Are they in their 70s? Are they teenagers? Are they in their, are they maybe middle age? Are they baby boomers? How would you, let's start with that. What, sure. Go ahead. Um, so ideally, it's, it's going to be a recreational or competitive athlete. My okay. target myself is going to be someone in their teens, maybe that high school range athlete who comes in with Achilles tendinopathy or some sort of shoulder pain where we can kind of clear it up pretty quickly and get them back to their sport and then start transitioning them to an injury prevention program from there. Okay. So maybe a couple of true PT visits and then a couple of sports performance type of visits and get them on the right path that way. Okay, so let's take diagnosis out of it. So let's just sure. stick with recreational athlete, teenager, college age. So if that's the, the person that makes you happiest when you're treating them, right? It yeah. really gets you fired up, you're turned on, you're like super excited. So I think in order to help with your marketing strategy, what do you need to do to get to that type of client? So think about kind of, what what sort of TV shows do they watch? What sort of magazines are they looking at? You know, things like like that will help you get into the mind of that ideal client or that ideal person. And then it will make it easier for you to set up a market strategy to relate to that person. So if that's your ideal person, really think about, I mean, you don't have to do it now, but... <laughs> Let's go through this right now for the next four hours. No. Hang on. Let me get my uh, pen and paper. I got to take some notes real quick. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you don't have to go through this now, but really, if, if that's the, the person that you really love to treat, then you should really think about creating a, a story around that one person. Forget about diagnosis. The diagnosis doesn't matter. You'll treat, you'll treat what comes through the door, right? Oh, absolutely. So the diagnosis doesn't really matter, but who is this person, you know? Is this also a person, I mean, you're a cash-based business, so does it have to be someone who has the income to pay you? Not necessarily. I mean, a lot of my patients, some are very well off, others are not so much. It it's kind of comes down to that desire of what are they trying to get back to and how important is it to them that they're missing time from it? Okay. And especially with my high school guys where the mm -hmm. season's so short. I mean, if they miss one or two weeks of the season, a quarter of the season's already over. So getting them right. back quickly is very important to them. Okay. So, so not only is this, so income considerations don't matter, which is great, but what does matter is maybe people who really need to get back to what they're doing quickly. You know, so these are all things that you can use with your mark from a marketing standpoint to get that ideal client in the door. Because once you get that ideal client in the door and you treat them well and they do well, that's what gets your word of mouth going. You know, 100% agreement. Yeah. So think about, you know, that may be one ideal person that you really want to work with. And, and like I said, you could just do this exercise for maybe two more people. And then you'd be surprised 
what kind of people start coming in your door are those people that you've just written a narrative about. And I mean like really get into it. What do they like to do? What do they like to do outside of school and sports? You know, because when you go, so let's say if that's your ideal client and there are other people in the area and you really focus your marketing to two or three, two or three ideal clients, those people are going to start coming to you. Like, do you do things? Are you going to high schools in the area and stuff like that? Um, I've done a few high school seminars. I've uh -huh. partnered up with more of the kind of AAU travel teams, uh -huh. Uh -huh. done some stuff that way. Um, we try to have a lecture or seminar here once a month for like an injury prevention topic, and we kind of market that more to the parents mm -hmm. through some of the other avenues we have. Sure. Um, and so we do some of that stuff. I guess the marketing I've been doing has been more geared towards the parents, but it's not a bad idea to kind of get inside yeah. of the head of the actual kid. Exactly, because they're the people that you, if they're the people you really want to treat, learn what they like. Because teenagers these days, they're sad. I don't know about, about you, but the kids, I see a lot of kids also, and I see a lot of high school athletes. And the teenagers that I see are very savvy. It's, and, it's pretty interesting how and, times have changed there. Yeah, and, and they may be the ones seeking you out, not the parents. That's a great point. You know, so think about having a seminar geared toward the kids. What do they like to do? What do they like to read? What... You know, what's on their mind? Because once you can kind of get into that mindset of the person that you really want to treat, that's what's going to come to you. I've done it. I've, I've done that's, it. That's it works. That's a great, great thought process. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then, um, so what else What else are you doing marketing-wise? Or what else do you think, or what has worked for you marketing-wise? Let's let's do that. Let people hear what, what worked. Yeah, so the, the most successful things I've done so far is getting in front of a group of people and talking and kind of just meeting them, hearing their problems, and kind of saying what I can do to help them. So I've done a lot with some of the local running stores, um, going out to like soccer practices, baseball practices, basketball practices, and meeting with the teams, you know, either before or after practice and talking about proper warm-up. I get a lot of nutrition questions because that's kind of a big thing for a lot of the kids. Um and then the seminars I've been having at the clinic have helped a lot as far as getting a small group of people in here mm -hmm. where I can really interact with them. They can really get to know me. And then the word of mouth has been fantastic. Good. Good. Yeah. So that's so for people listening who are wondering, gosh, I have this I have a private practice and it's not growing as much as I can in in house seminars and, and really being proactive and going out into your community. Yeah. Help, helps, definitely. right? So, so hey, are you doing something for uh, PT Day of Service? Not to put you on the spot. I, I have not. One of my classmates is actually part of that team, and if she was listening to this, she'd probably be very mad at me. But um, I, I would love to be a part of it. I just haven't looked all that much into it, to be honest. <gasps> I, heard your, I heard your podcast on it, and I've, I've been very anxious to try and do something. I just have not taken that step forward yet. Oh, that's it's. Don't worry. You have until October seventeenth. But you know, like I think Josh D'Angelo was saying, he was they were going to put on like a soccer clinic, you know. And with your sports background, so it just it just kind of I was just thinking with your sports performance background that you could put on like a pro bono clinic. That's a great idea. I, I mean, mean, I probably I probably have awesome. something scheduled. 
I probably have something scheduled that weekend already, and I'll just count it towards the PT Day service thing then. Yeah, yeah, because you're still getting out there and, and you're going into your community. You just have to go to ptdayofservice.com and register um, just so they know that you're in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what a great way to get out because the whole point of that is to get out into the community. And, you know, you do a, a great pro bono clinic, it's good marketing for you. So it's a win-win all around. Absolutely. Okay, so um, we've got some of the challenges were marketing and cash, like getting comfortable with the, not you're getting comfortable with the cash pay model, but getting people like the community comfortable. What would you say the challenge is there? Honestly, I haven't had anybody call who said, oh, you're at a network. I don't want to come. I think it's more of my, even my own personal mindset still thinking that there's probably this barrier of communication between the clinicians and the cash pay realm and then the patients themselves. Mm -hmm. But no one's balked an eye at it. Um, we haven't had any trouble as far as getting insurance reimbursement with the forms we have. Mm -hmm. um, so everything's going smoothly. I just think that I'm still, it's, it's even new to me. I mean, I've only mm -hmm. been doing it for the eight months. And so I, I think that there's always a little bit of a look from a patient, like you don't take insurance and you explain how it works. They're like, oh, that, that's reasonable. My dentist is like that. Or you know, exactly. I, I go to a primary care physician who's a concierge physician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you'll get more comfortable with that as it goes along, right? I mean, yeah. I'm oh, sure definitely. you're more comfortable now. I mean, do you... What are your biggest hang-ups on that, do you think? I mean, at this point, really nothing. It was really okay. those first couple months when I didn't have anybody really coming in the door. My volume was really low, and I was wondering if that was part of the problem. Um, but now that we've started to get things rolling, it's not really on the back of my mind at all. So what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in their cash-based practice based on, on your experience of, of feeling, I guess we can call that some anxiety there, right? Yeah, a little bit of anxiety is probably a good term for yeah, it. Yeah, that's nor I think that's normal. So what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of opening up a new practice that is a cash pay model in that, in that sort of first year? Because that's a formative year. Yeah, you know, the best advice I probably would have for someone is kind of trust your judgment and, and know why you're doing it and that the reasons that you're doing it far outweigh some of the cons of starting off slow. You know, if you think big picture, five, mm -hmm. 10 years down the road, you're going to start getting more and more patients. Um, your volume is going to stabilize. And knowing that you're helping people and you're being able to provide this service to a small group of people, because you're not going to see the 20 people a day you would see at a normal clinic. Correct. But really getting, being able to have those interactions and valuing that time with your patients when they're there. If you're not going to be able to put in the time and the effort to give that high-end customer service, it's probably not going to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you define high-end customer service? So my the way I think about it is being available if for emails at 8 or 9 o'clock at night when someone shoots off a quick email about a question of a certain exercise I gave them or a new pain or problem that they're having. And then when they're here in the clinic, listening to what they have to say, addressing the concerns that they're bringing up to you and not kind of what you think the problem is and trying to tailor your plan of care to their needs and goals and providing them options. So when I think about it, I can say I can do treatment A or treatment B. These are what it's going to feel like. This is what, how long it's going to take. And this is what my expected outcome is. And then allowing the patient to kind of say, well, I don't really like this one so much. Let me try the other one first. 
and kind of going about that way, really making them involved in their care. Absolutely. And what I might just add to that is within the plan of care, obviously addressing their needs and goals, but also uh, their values. Yes. So, well said. so that was a great conversation I had with Eric Kruger a couple of weeks ago. And needs, goals, and, and, and values of the patient all kind of need to wrap into that plan of care. And listen, you can give high-end customer service regardless of whether you're a cash-based business or you're in a hospital or, or you're, you own a clinic or you work at a clinic. So I think that those are just what you just kind of outlined there for, any, for people Everyone can can and should give high end customer service regardless of where you practice. I, I agree completely. I was having a conversation with someone about this the other day, jokingly kind of, well, you know, cash PTs are the only ones who think they provide good service and get people better quicker. And that's of course definitely not. not the case. Of no, course not. Of course there, not. There are plenty of great clinicians out there who are doing fantastic jobs in other settings. This is more of a decision for me based off of the way I wanted to provide care versus other options out there. Sure, sure. And and it's it's individual for everyone. That's the beauty. That's why not every single clinic is a mandatory cash-based clinic and not every single clinic is mandatory insurance-based clinic. You know, right. people as physical as a physical therapist, you have a choice, and as the patient or the potential client, they have a choice to go wherever they want to go. Right. But no matter where they go, they should always get good service. Definitely. And I think I think as a profession, we do a really good job with that for the most part. I think so, too. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Um, 100%. So looking back at the your challenges in the cash pay was just switching over that mindset, which is tough, which is hard. It'll happen. Um, so... I guess the other challenge you had mentioned was perhaps not seeing as many as many post-op patients yet. I mean, is that post-op patient someone who's your ideal patient? No, not really, okay. which is why it's not a terrible concern of mine. Well, don't worry um, about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, All right then. Now, are you do you also market to to doctors North Carolina? What is the direct access care in North Carolina? So we have we have pretty much a blanket direct access for yeah, everything, nice. yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, which is a perk of being here. Um, you know, there there are a few stipulations here and there, but nothing that stops people from coming in and seeing me without a referral. Mm -hmm. But as far as physicians go, you know, I, I don't have a lot of great relationships with any yet, and part of that is because I haven't spent a lot of time trying to develop them. Mm -hmm. the, the few that I have started to kind of foster have been more from. I see a patient, they go back to their primary care or their specialist and say, hey, did you know that so-and-so physical therapist is here? You know, Kevin's been great. And the physician's kind of like, I have no idea who that is. And so we kind of connect after my patient goes back and sees their physician. That's a great way. Listen, that's a great way to kind of open up the, the door to communication with that doctor. I mean, just because there's direct access doesn't mean you skip the doctor from your marketing strategy. Right. Or from and your practice altogether. I mean, it should be a very symbiotic relationship between the PT and the doctor. Agree completely. I, I when I first opened up, I mean, I, I sent out some letters and handouts and visited a few offices, and 
they kind of looked at me and said, you're fresh out of school and we don't really want to talk to you too much right now, which I completely understood at the same time as well. And I was hoping to let kind of the results and the outcomes speak for themselves, which it's starting to get there. And like we kind of said, I've only been open for about 10 months. So I'm hoping a couple of years down the road, I'll have more relationships with some of those guys and girls and we'll develop the clinic that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, you have to start somewhere. And I just think that even if you're in a full uh, direct access state, that it's important that you just don't address doctors at all. You know, right. I'm, I mean, you still, you still need them because they're part of the team, you know, I and, just- and the best part is, is when you get a doctor that you have a great relationship with and you're on this great team, it only benefits the patient. Absolutely. I just had someone come in to me the other day. She, you know, said she hurt her knee while she was out running, came in to see me. And I kind of looked at her for two seconds and told her she needed to go get an MRI and go see one of the physicians I knew really well who specializes in non-operative care. Mm-hmm. She, she's had 16 knee surgeries and really did not want to How many? go down that route again. What? How many? 16. 16? Yeah. Holy cow. That's a, lot so, of, that's, a, that's a lot of knee surgery. She only has two knees, right? That's, uh, last time I checked, that's all she had. So. Oh, my gosh. She's not like an octopus or anything, is she? <laughs> no. Holy no, cow. But, yeah, so but so kind of that same process you're talking about. You know, I'm happy that she thought of me right away, but at that point with the way her knee was, there's nothing I could really do for her. And getting that second look from someone who has other resources at their disposal like this physician did, mm-hmm. and hopefully we're going to get her on the right path and figure out something to do that doesn't involve surgery. Yeah, well, that sounds like a good plan to me, and, it, and again, a great way to kind of foster that relationship. Um, so marketing, cash pay, not a lot of post-op patients. Those were sort of some challenges. How about big successes since you've opened? Was there anything that happened where you're like, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, we've, we've had some good moments so far. Our practice is actually named one of the top doc practices in the county we live in, Wake County in North Carolina. Congratulations. Is, I appreciate it. And then personally, I was recognized as one of the 40 future, or 40 future leaders under the age of 40 for the area as well. Nice. So getting out, I think a lot of the stuff I do out in the community as far as like a pro bono care like we had talked about has helped mm-hmm. get recognition for some of those things um but my biggest breaking even the first month was a pretty big success that's nice yeah when we finally got to that that mark i was pretty happy about that so very nice very nice and now you have a it's like a brick and mortar clinic right it is uh-huh. yeah we have uh, a couple of private treatment rooms and then the kind of an open gym space and I mean, I don't. I, I live in New York City, right? So I know it's so expensive um, in New York to to have a practice because obviously space is at a premium. Um, but when you're before you even opened, obviously you had all of this stuff in your business plan. So can you talk a little bit about what your business plan looked like before you even opened? What's, what were your, the main parts of your plan? And because I think this will maybe help people who are thinking of, or help some students who are maybe thinking, you know, out of school one day, I would like to open up my own practice. So can you talk a little bit about what your business plan was like? 
and what you really sure. focused on. So like I was kind of saying, I had started developing a business plan before I even applied to PT school, believe it or not. And so my initial plan had some of the similar insurance-based marketing strategies, you know, looking at keeping overhead at a reasonable cost and then, you know, short staff, just myself, maybe one other assistant to help with some things. And then as I got through school and started changing my mind, going to the cash pay realm, my business plan shifted somewhat to pretty much the nuts and bolts of, I need a space to treat. I need a table. I need just a little bit of equipment. And then a marketing strategy that involved getting out into the community and talking and keeping my overhead very low. So right now our overhead's about $3,000 a month. I don't know if that's helpful to anybody or not. Yeah, I think that's helpful. And And that that counts the rent for the space that we're in, the internet, phone lines, liability insurance, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some extraneous costs for little marketing things here and there. Sure, sure. That's pretty good. And so when you're so when you're kind of putting together, I mean $3,000 a month for for everything, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. That that includes your the rent for your space? Yes, ma'am. Oh my god, my apartment's almost as much. I mean, the weather down here is the weather down here is beautiful. You're always more than welcome to move down this way. Holy cow. Like I don't know I that's completely unattainable um, in some parts of the country, certainly where I'm at. But then again, you know, you price your prices are different accordingly. You know, you kind of have to go with um, your standard of living, which kind of brings me to another question. So you have three thousand dollars a month as sort of your uh, monthly overhead. How do you figure out your pricing? I get this question all the time. How did I figure out my pricing for my cash pay business? So I'll, I'll send that question over to you. Sure. So the very first thing I looked at was what other cash PTs were charging throughout the country. And then there's a couple of cash practices actually fairly locally. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And so I looked at what they were charging and then I compared those prices to the cost of a personal training session at a private studio, at some of the big commercial gyms in the area, Mm -hmm. some of the costs of yoga and Pilates, massage therapy, all those kind of ancillary services that people do for their health. And then kind of found a number that worked within my costs and what people were willing to pay, essentially, at least what I estimated they were willing to pay for mm-hmm. a physical therapy visit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about, that sounds about right to me. I, I tell people the same thing. Just kind of have to look around. And, and I'm glad that you had mentioned that you looked at what people were paying for yoga, Pilates, because don't forget, these are people who their customers are more than willing to pay them cash. Right. And without, th- there, th- it w- you would never have someone be like, oh, yoga, is that covered by insurance? <laughs> it's funny you know how that saying? works. Yeah. So that would never even like cross someone's mind and they're more than happy to pay for it. So I think I, when I started my cash based business, I was going off that mindset. Well, if someone's going to pay for a trainer, then they'll certainly pay for me. And that's, that's kind of what the convincing push for me was, is the amount of people that we're saying that they're, you know, oh, I definitely would pay six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month for a personal trainer. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, if they only need to come see me two times a week, then that's reasonable. Yeah. And yeah. so we kind of made that decision based off some of those extra things we were seeing around the area. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that's, you know, a product of being part of the medical system is that uh, most people 
want to use their insurance. But I know it always kills me. Like massage, oh yeah, I'll pay you know $200 for a massage or $250 for a personal trainer. Right. But you know, you kind of say, hey, how about physical therapy? And nope. they go, do you take Blue Cross Blue Shield? Nope. Oh. Nope. But once you kind of show them, like we talked about in the beginning of the interview, is when you show them the value that you can bring and when you show them what results they can get from working with you, people change their mind pretty quick. They're more than happy to pay. And then they're more than happy to refer you to their friends. Right. And that's that's the biggest compliment that there is, is when someone comes in and says, so-and-so sent me to you and I'm happy to get started. And knowing that one of my former patients thought enough of me to send one of their trusted friends or family members to get the same kind of care, that, that puts a lot of responsibility on me, first off. But second off, it's a very good feeling. Yeah, I agree 100%. Okay, so... You broke even. That's a big win. Any other big wins aside from what you just said, having people come in and say that they were referred to by a family member or friend? Any other big wins? Um, I, I guess those are all probably my, my big wins Your at big this wins. point. Which good. I, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. No, I think that's great. Listen, if you if you didn't have any wins, you'd be out of business, right? True. I guess that's a good way to look at it. So, so I think you're doing well. So... Let's talk about from a student perspective. Was there anything, what, what would you say was missing in your curriculum that you wish you had that would have better prepared you for opening your own business? Um, or, you know, or that you hear from other students. I don't know what Duke's program is like, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the biggest thing that would be would be any kind of business type of course. Um, my background was kind of in that that realm before I kind of transitioned career paths or ideas. So I felt comfortable with the business stuff, and I spent a lot of time doing my own research that way. But if you were just a general student who had no plans of going into business and then got out into practice five or seven years and then decided to open your own practice, there's not a lot of business education in PT schools, Yeah, which is probably the stereotypical answer that a lot of cash owners or even just general practice owners give. But it's kind of the truth of yeah. the reality right now. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get any business when I went and when I got my master's in physical therapy. When I got my doctorate, we had a lot of business, actually, like, which, which I found, which was great. It was refreshing. But, you know, we had to do full-on business plans, full-on budgets for clinics. So that was a big part of my doctoral program. We had, we had a little bit of that. I don't think... It, it wasn't really hammered home too much because mm. a lot of people found it boring and didn't really want to do it anyway. I was probably the only business geek who found mm -hmm. it fun. Mm -hmm. But um, there, there could be more of that. We One thing that Duke does a great job of is kind of intermingling professions. Oh, so that's we got nice. to spend a lot of time with PA students, nursing students, medical students. And so developing those kind of relationships at that stage in school was a great stepping stone to be able to kind of go out into the field and knowing and understanding what other people do as far as their careers and how physical therapy can help their patients and they can help physical therapy patients and that sort of connection. Yeah, I think that's great. I think I just read that yesterday. Someone wrote like in the, on the DPT Facebook group that they wish that they had more interaction with other medical professions while they were in school. So I think you've, and, and the business course, I think you've, you've sort of touched on both of those. So thanks for that. Um, so now, 
have you read any books, any books that you would recommend to students out there or even people thinking of, of starting their own business that you said, boy, this book really helped me to do X, Y, Z? Um, you know, there, there's a couple of just how-to books that I read, just kind yeah. of the, the intro to business and management and that sort of thing. Um, one book that I found interesting was The Lean Startup. Okay, yep, I, I know it. I can't remember who wrote it, but I have it sitting on my desk somewhere at home. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting, especially from kind of the cash PT perspective, because the overhead keeping it down is key. Yep. And uh, I found it interesting. Um, I don't read too many business books. I read more articles. The, okay. the, the book I'm reading right now is actually about Russian oligarchies. So not necessarily related to PT, but it's a good book. And what, where do you get article? Where are your articles from? Um, so I get a lot of stuff from you, actually. So not necessarily articles, but, you know, podcasts. Oh, um, thanks. Jared, Jared Carter puts up uh -huh. a lot of great stuff. Mike Reinold puts up a lot of great yep. stuff as far as the clinical standpoint goes. Um, Aaron LeBauer is another one who has great things. Great. No, I just want to mention all of these people so that the listeners, especially if they're students, can kind of seek these people out and and – get to learning. Um, yeah. Okay, so we have a couple of minutes left, but where do you where do you see yourself going with your clinic? What is your long-term view? So my long-term view is that I want to have a practice where I'm seeing about 20 to 25 patients a week. Nice. Um, I want to have another therapist join me, and she's actually starting at the end of September, early October. Great. Um, she's a Pilates certified instructor as well and a big time competitive marathon runner. So having her in to take over some of that stuff and starting to offer some of those Pilates services is something that we're envisioning. I want to move into a bigger space where we can have more of a strength and conditioning style gym and start working some of those sports performance aspects that I want to um, and bringing in a really strength and conditioning kind of specialist to focus that area. Um, and so that, that's kind of where I want the practice to look, having me and one other clinician, having the strength conditioning coach and each of us kind of seeing a comfortable amount of patients or clients a day, but not being overwhelmed. Absolutely. Sounds like um, a plan. And do you yeah. see yourself sort of stepping into that sports performance role as well? So sort of splitting your time maybe between sports performance and between strictly sports performance clients and PT clients, something like um, Chris Johnson does? Um, I don't know if you know Chris. I, I know of Chris. Yeah. I haven't actually talked to him yet. Um, my So I, I do that split right now. Essentially. Oh, great. I think I, I probably will keep it because I enjoy that kind of mix of patients and clients. Yeah. Um, it'll kind of come down to demand for the physical therapy that I, I offer and kind of the time money dilemma. Mm -hmm. um, but I do enjoy working with the kids and it is a nice switch up from the physical therapy hat to the strength coach hat. Yeah, absolutely. And there's like, there's just so many directions that you can go in with that, you know, that it, anyway, we can, we can talk later, but there's so many, there's so many directions that you can go with that. It's just absolutely crazy. Like think about, you know, over the summer months when the kids aren't in school, like you can have like full on strength and conditioning camps 
a two week camp for X amount of money for each Absolutely. kid. I mean, that would be that's that's a, a really fun thing to do, you know, and most, it'll most, keep you going. Most thoughts are in in the works right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so what would you say? We're going to kind of wrap things up here. Um, what is your best advice to a student who's thinking about starting and to a new grad who wants to start a practice as a new grad? Sure. Uh, the best advice I would have would be, you know, know why you're doing it and make sure you're doing it because you think it's going to be what's best for you and your patients. And then if you are going to plan to start one right out of school, that you need to start the planning work well in advance of that and have a strong business plan, have mentors from different realms. So not just physical therapy mentors, but have a business mentor, have some clinicians that you can rely on or bounce questions or ideas off of, and then really kind of make sure that you're ready to put the time and effort into it. Because there are days where I'm working 16 hours a week, it feels, or 16 hours a day, it feels like trying to get some of the marketing stuff done, the note writing done, the the actual treatment time and then just answering questions and being around and trying to do some of that stuff. So it's a big time, time commitment. Don't think you're going to do it getting rich the next day that you open up your clinic. And if you're doing it for the money, it's probably not the right idea for you. Um, you should be doing it because that's the lifestyle you want to have. You want to be able to provide the care in the way that you think is best. And then don't ever kind of close doors to anybody. You know, if you have a mentor, stay in touch with them don't burn any bridges and really put the time and effort into it. Well, I think that was excellent advice and I could not have said it any better myself. So thank you so much for coming on and taking time out of the middle of your day for this interview. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. Yeah, anytime. You can come on anytime. And I still don't know if you swayed me a little bit. A little bit. Uh, so you've, you little have, inch, you swayed me. A, you swayed me a little bit. You swayed me a little bit um, because I think what you're because I think you're doing it the right way. So um, you've swayed me a little bit as far as new, fresh new grads opening up a new business. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, um, baby steps. Couple. Baby steps. I'm taking baby steps. So thanks so much for coming on, and everybody, thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please go on and leave a review on iTunes, and otherwise have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.